This is a Hoff Studios podcast. I wanted to introduce you all to my best friend. Her name is Ray Cohen Burnhamoff. We have actually been friends since we were 16 years old, which is over 20 years now. There, I did it. I said it, and now it's out there. Okay? All right? Oh, boy. Um, I have, like, very vivid memories of um, borrowing your Michael Stars shirts at um, Camp Seneca Lake. We were counselors in training. In fact, I was just at a Shabbat dinner with Ruthie, our counselor. Our actual counselor. I thought she was so much older than us. Did you know she's only two <laughs> years older than us? Time is weird. Um, I, w- I felt like starstruck when I saw her. And then she sat next to me and I was like, I'm still, Ruthie, I'm still starstruck. This is very awkward. Um, anyway, I, I mentioned the Michael Stars because um, that's how I knew I was special to you. Because oh. let me tell you, you were not lending those Michael Stars out to literally anyone else. And if they had gotten dirty by anyone, you'd be really pissed. And for whatever reason, you trusted me. 16-year-old Ray, you trusted me. After that summer, we would go see theater together and museums, which was like weird for 16, 17-year-olds in where wherever we were raised, you know, these like little shtetls in New Jersey and on Long Island. Like you were the artistic, soulful type. You were like my soul sister then and and still today. Isn't that crazy? Over 20 years later. Would you actually introduce yourself to the listener? I don't even know where to start. Um, I guess we're here on Mom Curious. I am a mother to a three and a half year old boy named Ezra. And I'm also almost 34 weeks pregnant, expecting my second son in September. So that's coming around the corner really quickly. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I recently started a tech company that's focused on enabling individuals to get better feedback in their lives. It's called Loop. And it is just being born out in the world. So there's been a lot of gestation over the last few months. Um, This has been sort of a pivot for me career-wise. I actually started my career in museums. So I guess that that love of art and design has always been strong. I was creating audio guides and multimedia tours for the Med and the Whitney. In fact, um, I guess an opening for you in some ways to your voiceover career. Huge opening. You have always taken a chance on me it started with those michael stars <laughs> shirts and like and and after i graduated from acting school and you from um mcgill um you employed me and i did several audio guides that's how i started my voiceover career which paid off my student loans which got me my first agent which really set up my whole life um, thanks to you. Uh, I, can't, I can't take credit for all of not that. Not all of it. But, but, but the voice of the tour at Ellis Island yeah. was, you know, something that um, I was really happy to facilitate. And or, the Grand Palais. Like, there was another one. Yeah, yeah um, that's true. That was, uh, and those long-form narrations were, I mean, here we are. We're on mic all over again. Like, it was, you knew. You're like, you have a beautiful voice. you got to use it. And, um and I have a project for you. Want to do it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was, you know, where I started. But I kind of took a big turn a few years into that 
actually opening a restaurant with my husband, Noah. Um, our first restaurant was called Mile and Deli in Brooklyn. And um, it was intended to really honor the recipes and stories and heritage of our families, um, very much his family. He's from Montreal. And um, we had poutine and smoked meat and things like that. That was, you know, at the ripe old age of 24 and um, with no prior restaurant experience whatsoever. So kind of went, you know, from the art space right into the entrepreneurial space and spent a few years there building that business, but soon realized that the balance of, you know, being in the trenches with your husband and a small business weren't exactly the best um, and ended up spending the next almost decade in brand marketing and design. Which you did for Mile End, right? Because I did. And that, that was, was a huge part of Mile End's tremendous success. I mean, I'm sure there are listeners who uh, know and have been to the restaurant and you even wrote the cookbook for the restaurant. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. the restaurant. It was it was a great learning um, environment Absolutely. for your for your branding work, right? Absolutely, it definitely enabled me to understand that there was a way to apply all my various interests. Right, when you're a small business owner, you kind of have to wear all the hats. You have to be able to, you know, jump from one thing to the next and really get creative about solutioning. And it also made me realize that the thing I really loved doing most, which was true in audio guides, true in the restaurant business true in my consulting work and now true today with the product that I'm building is just being able to really hone a narrative, be able to tell a story about the thing that you're doing and ensure that there's some meaning behind it. So that was true when we were, you know, creating the foods of our ancestors. That was true for the most part when I was working with really big companies and helping them get clear on their vision and their mission and their values. And it's especially true today working on Loop and being able to create something that is really intended to empower people to better understand themselves and to really get into their community and and solicit and leverage the perspectives of the people around them so that they can have a clear understanding of their strengths and their opportunity areas for development. We were talking the other day when you so kindly asked me to lead a sort of blessing ceremony for your son later this month. You really have a way of uh, reflecting back to me and to the people around you. And I see the way that you um, do this with your son Ezra already reflecting back what I'm good at and and the narrative of who I've always been, which is, I don't know, a sort of spiritual guide of sorts, which you you have always brought out in me. And I see that it's really um it's beautiful and and it it gives me such strength to go out into the world and give my gifts when there's someone who can put words to it. And I'm excited for the people who who get to be a part of that experience. When are you launching? We actually just launched with our first company. So we're building this as a tool. Big vision is to democratize feedback and make it something that's easy to ask for and receive for, you know, everyone at large. In the shortest term, we're selling this product to companies. So we actually just launched with our first client last week. Congratulations. That's <laughs> so exciting. You. Um 
I wanted to have you on because you were one of the first people who I did send the podcast to. And even in that first episode, and 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 honestly, every time I get on the mic and talk to people, like, and every time I publish a new chapter of this um of this podcast, I'm like, oh my gosh, did I do it right? And and it's gotten better over the time. But you were the first person I sent um the podcast to. And I remember sort of poo-pooing unmedicated labor and breastfeeding. And I was like, oh my God, did I disrespect this person who I love? And I, I wasn't sure. And you you actually held it with a lot of love and grace and it didn't bother you and at all. But there was a woman who hit me up in the DMs who was offended. And I thought, you know what? I wonder if my disappointment that I didn't end up having that experience um, the way I had wished was showing up in the way I was talking about labor. I think what I mentioned was like, oh, people on the internet will say the only way to have uh, a natural birth is to have an unmedicated labor and it's, you know, bullshit and blah, 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 blah. Or I would say things like, um, you don't have to breastfeed, you know. And it's not that I don't stand behind that, but there are lots of women who really enjoyed the process of delivering, you know, a baby in an unmedicated, beautiful way that really enjoy extended breastfeeding. And just because that's not my experience doesn't mean, especially with this platform, doesn't mean that it's not beautiful and valid and exciting. And so I can't speak to it, you know? So I, I brought you on because like you can, you can tell us what that's like in a way that I never could. I'd be happy to tell you what it's like, but I also think it's worth saying that for so long that was elevated as the best way or the right way, right? And so much of what you do with this work is hold space for all the ways and and enable individuals to share their perspectives on what they encountered and what was meaningful for them and how they made it work in a way that, you know, whether it was anticipated or not. So I think that that's of paramount importance. I'm certainly happy to share my experience because, you know, I had it. <laughs> and hopefully that can, you know, be helpful to someone who maybe finds themselves in a similar position. Well, I'm I'm wondering. So you you had a um a midwife, right? And you still do, right? Can you tell me about that experience? Because I had uh, um OBs who I could never recommend. <laughs> I had them because I wanted to um, you know, I, I didn't want to get an epidural, and there was a birthing center um on the Upper West Side, um, where they worked and whatever it was. I, I don't know anyone who enjoys their care provider the way you do. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I, Nancy Rosenzweig, who is my midwife, I'm based up in the Hudson Valley, which is where she's located, is actually the best care provider I've ever had at large um, and in such a sensitive and evolving experience as is pregnancy, labor, and delivery 
that you know that says a lot because her ability to really tune into the individual and you know I think just to our conversation about how there are so many paths and there's no right one there's no perfect one there's no exact one right because there's there's just like an infinite number of <laughs> deviations that like this journey can take um she just she's been so she's so supportive regardless of you know what your preferences are and also um holding the space for the possibility that even if you have certain preferences, you might not actually be able to see them through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's she's been incredible. And what's what's so cool about the relationship, I've hired her privately, which she offers in her practice, is that I either go to her house for like hour plus long no. appointments. She, she'll come to my house. No. We can talk about how it, it it's both physical, but it's also very much emotional. I need to pause and just let whoever has not had that experience know that like most uh, OB appointments are f- 10 to 15 minutes long um, where they weigh you and then you tell them, hey, I'm feeling like really nauseous, like it's hard for me to stand up. And then they say, well, you're pregnant and then you're off. That's the difference. But is it more expensive? Is that the thing? Or is it harder to come by? I, th- I think practitioners like Nancy are rare. But mid- midwifery in general, that that is the model. I mean, you, usually, at least in Brooklyn, you would go to, you would go to their office. So Kudos to Nancy for like <laughs> traveling to you, but okay, fine. But midwifery in general, like there aren't that many midwives, are there? I don't actually know um, what the proportion is, but where we're located upstate in the Hudson Valley um, is near the Northern Duchess um, Birthing Center. And that practice is, I believe, all, if not primarily run by women, both midwives and OBs. Mm -hmm. But I was so lucky in my last pregnancy to not encounter an OB at all along the way. Because you didn't need to. I didn't need to. Right. I I mean, in Europe, I think they say, like, well, you're not sick. You don't need a doctor, right? Like, uh, um, I think at least in England, they all see midwives. Maybe not for hour plus um, appointments. I don't actually know. I think that's perhaps exceptional, but I I think the the model of care, which is definitely more dominant with midwives than with OBs, is to take a holistic approach to the mother's well-being, right? It's not solely focused on the fetus and the baby. It's really thinking about how is this pregnancy affecting the person, can you give us an example? Like, 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 what do you even talk? Like, I, I, like they would like put the make sure they had the heartbeat. Like, they're like, that's a foot. Bye. Yeah. Um, it's like it's everything from okay, my armpits are swollen because it's breast tissue that's growing there because my breasts have like grown three sizes, you know, in the last few weeks or months. Um, and so, you know, I had, you know, she's she's feeling around there and checking that out. It's conversations about how uncertain I am about the name and like <laughs> where we're going with that. It's conversations about how like freaked out I am about, you know, becoming a mother of two and what that's going to look like. It's conversations about how, you know, this birth might be different than the last and preparing for that. 
So it it really it really runs the gamut. Cannot even fathom these doctors of mine ever ever caring what the name of the baby was at yeah. all. Uh, I wasn't. I live in the country, and I'm really, f- you know, cautious about ticks. And when I <laughs> went to my last appointment, I was like, "There's something that I maybe like saw in my butt, but I couldn't, you know, <laughs> totally rule out that it was a tick." And she checked it for me. Yeah. So that, you know, I think that goes to demonstrate the length of the relationship <laughs> and the care, right? Because um, I was like, you've been down, you, you're down there, you've been down there. Pull up, pull up <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah. She's the and one. and she was like, I haven't been down there in a in a while, but sure, okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> do you get ultrasounds? But with her, um, her protocol, if everything is progressing normally, is to do the heartbeat check at I believe like seven weeks, and then w- the like comprehensive scan at twenty weeks, and then otherwise no. She has a little machine that she checks the heartbeat with, and then she does the measurement thing. Is does the OB do that too? Just at the end, yeah. With the with like literally a measuring tape. It's it it it's one of those things that is so ancient, right? That you lie on the table, and from the point of your pelvis to the top of your belly, you if you're progressing properly, are measuring in. Is it inches? It's not possible to be inches. I mean, there are definitely inches. Your uterus has grown inches, like actually. It's always like I measure 32 when I'm at 32 weeks. So is that 32 inches down there? I guess so. 32 something. (laughs) Yeah, centimeters or inches. She's literally with a tape measure going from here to here to to check the, the evolution of the growth. Wow. Yeah. Well, the OB did the same thing. I had no idea what she was doing because she was too busy, like, (laughs) doing something, just checking a box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because when I talk to you, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have another baby this time. (laughs) (laughs) Move upstate, you know, just like a few small life changes. Yeah. Yeah. One, two, three. Thousand life changes, and um, and and um, I'll have a, a great unmedicated. Was it in a bath? No, they ha- at Northern Duchess. They do have baths. Um, so, do you want me to like share my birth story? I want to do it. Yeah, let's go. So this is with Nancy. With Nancy. What if Nancy's unavailable? When you hire her privately, she commits to being present for like the two weeks before and the two weeks after your due date like so she doesn't travel or do anything like that though there are cases where she has two clients who are having babies at the same time as actually happened with us but it didn't there was no conflict there like um, the other person who I got to do all of our birthing classes with, oh. who delivered the day before me, um, you know, there was like a 24-hour window between us. What's also incredible about working with someone like Nancy is that she came to our house when I was in labor. Oh, you so, had a home birth. No, I did not. Oh. But we started at home. So I had like – I was due on a Wednesday. I had planned to work till Friday. I think I sent my last email at like 8 p.m. on a Friday. And Sunday 
night, went to sleep like pretty normally. Although I will say, because you prompted me before to think about like, what are the things nobody tells you or like you didn't know? I will say I felt like pretty high for like the probably like 48 to 36 hours before. Before. I was like, yeah, like I was driving and I was like, those clouds are like really moving in like a beautiful way. You know, like those moments where you're like, am I here or am I somewhere else? Like what plane of existence am I really experiencing right now? <laughs> so like I was in that, like I there was some in-betweening that was already starting to happen, but it was Sunday night. My husband, who was commuting back and forth to the city, was scheduled to take a train that Monday morning so he could get his like last two days in of work before the baby, you know, came on time on Wednesday. And at like, I like because they're so prompt, <laughs> exactly, those babies. Yeah, really, they really follow schedules. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, it was like four thirty in the morning. I woke up. And despite, like, I read every fucking book. I, like, listened to the podcast. I took all these birthing classes with Nancy even. And I woke up and I was like, wait, what does a contraction feel like? (laughs) I don't actually really know what the reference is. I was like, I feel like I'm having cramps. Like, that must be a contraction. You didn't have Braxton Hicks before? No. Mm -hmm. No. And I, like, I poked Noah. I was like, you know. I'm feeling something weird. Like, check in with me. If I fall back to sleep, like, before you leave at 6.30 to catch the train, like, just check in with me um, (laughs) and make sure that I'm okay because, like, I'm feeling, you know, some funny stuff. And then, obviously, did not fall back to sleep. That was a few hours. It was maybe, like, four hours of, like, lying in bed and being like, this is interesting, you know, like, something is happening, calling Nancy. Are you still high at this point? Yeah, a little bit, totally. Like, like feeling like we're close, like we're at, you know, we're at the gate, right? Like, it's happening. But then I called Nancy at whatever it was, 6 a.m., and she was like, Sounds like it's starting, but just be prepared that this could be 24, 48, 36 hours. Like the baby might not be coming today, so don't get too excited. Plus, Nancy had already just delivered a baby and <laughs> yeah, she was she's tired. Like, I need a break. So, like, <laughs> so let's like, hold on here like, for a minute. Yeah. Exactly. So, she came over maybe around 10 a.m. to check in. I I had I had planned for my mom and my sister to come up from the city to to be present. My sister was going to take pictures and I wanted my mom to be there for the birth. And I had called them and was like, I'm in labor. You should come. And Nancy was actually like, this might take a while. I don't know if you want them hovering. Like, let's see how the day unfolds, which was really good advice and something I'm keeping in mind, too, especially thinking about going into labor at home with a child and, you know, what that experience will be like for Ezra witnessing me in convulsion. (laughs) Were you in in convulsions? You were convulsing at that time? At a certain point, you know, it progressed from like, oh, this like feels like a bad cramp to like, holy shit, I need to like brace on someone and like sink my claws into them. And you asked about baths. So I was starting at the beginning because while I was still home, I went in the shower a few times, went in the bath. I think Nancy and Noah were like, you know, holding my hips and I was like pushing against the wall and all of those things that are very helpful for just managing the pain and the intensity of the convulsions. And it wasn't until about three o'clock that I was like, it's time. 
it's time to go to the hospital. Time I to did go to the hospital. Uh, uh, yeah, the birthing center, which is attached. No, to the yeah, hospital. yeah. Um, but it's time to go. It's time go to go. Time. The recommendation that she had made was, as soon as you feel like you can't really manage the pain at home and things really seem to be picking up, it's time to to like move the party elsewhere. And there was no like, oh, when the contractions after I'm done chronicling them you didn't like no. write them down or anything like that and time I think, them i think maybe there was some kind of app involved but like we weren't we weren't that but it was sort strict. of obvious you're like yeah it's one on top it's of getting the other. more intense yeah and she's sort of like that with everything for example she doesn't have me like count the baby kicks it's more like know your baby have a sense of what their rhythm is and pay attention to when that seems like it changes. Mm-hmm. It's less about like a rigid formula and more about tuning into what's actually happening within your body. So feminine, right? <laughs> it's so beautiful and ancient. Yeah. Way before we had formulas for any of these things. Right, and individual to the pair of you. Yeah, so beautiful. And... And at a certain point, I was like, it's time. It's time to go. We're about 20 minutes away from the birthing center. And I have to say, and I said this to Nancy in preparing for this next birth, I probably would have left like earlier. (laughs) A little bit earlier. (laughs) Now knowing, I would have left 30, 45 minutes. (laughs) You know, I'm always, I'm I'm a little bit usually behind schedule. And I think... Let's I never, let's err on the early side. Oh, you know here. what's so funny? I don't I don't experience you to be behind schedule because you think of yourself as behind schedule. So I always think of you as like a little bit early. Oh, well, that's generous. We, let's not go there because that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, you know, creating a feedback tool because okay. you know I like to be self aware. Okay. But um, we got in the car, and it really started picking up, and I felt like. <laughs> We fucking realized (laughs) Nancy had said, sit in the back seat because you have like more space to move around and all of that. But we realized that the car seat was already in the back seat and there wasn't like there just wasn't a lot of space in the back seat. So I went into the front seat and I felt like I'm I don't have I should now with my son who loves superheroes recently, but I don't have the reference for like which superhero like like forces their body out of like some kind of physical barrier to become like the an green entirely guy. new being. It's the, the Hulk. Hulk. Yes. Yeah, so I was the Hulk in that moment. <laughs> I was like, I am literally going to smash through the glass of the windows in this car. My body is so strong and so powerful and so expansive right now that I, I I really felt like I was about to break the windows of the car. And <laughs> no, I kept saying we're almost there, we're almost there. I was like, we are not almost there. I know where we are. I can see. I, I'm like here with you. Like, don't tell me we're almost there. We're not. We're 12 minutes away. <laughs> and 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 then we we got there, thankfully. I mean, he kept his cool despite like the Hulk emerging in his passenger seat. And, and he like signed up for this all over again. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah here we are. Um, we are going to leave earlier this time. Okay, as if you know. But okay. But yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I, I don't mean to. Right. No, you're very right. And it could all happen even more quickly. Right. So who knows? Um, 
You good, know. Good point. You know. Well, but I, you also don't. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it was totally that moment from the show where, like, he, like, zooms into the parking lot and, like, pulls over to the door and, like, the car skids and I, like, fly out. And um, and I go in and it was, like, everything picked up. I got there. I walked in. I vomited across the entire room. I think partially from, like, the car, partially – oh, I was hysterically crying. Like, all the nurses as I was walking down the hallway were, like – really worried but it was actually the crying was this like beautiful sense of relief and acknowledgement that like we were so close and then and then the vomit and then and then <laughs> they took my clothes off or you know somebody helped me get undressed and you you know this about me i'm actually not wearing a scarf right now because it's pretty warm in this room but i You're tend awful. to to wear a scarf and like protect my chi and always like worried about wind invasion and so i'm wearing my scarf this is end of march and i'm in the <laughs> i'm in the gown that like noah helps put on which is like you know like hanging awkwardly off my body and he's like i think we should take the scarf off i was like do not touch the scarf and then i proceeded for like the next it was about four hours until Ezra was born to wear the scarf as I'm like sweating and, you know, like in all these different positions with like the gown, literally like <laughs> I can sort of remember this. Like there was like one tie and it was just like draping off on the side, <laughs> but I had my scarf on. <laughs> Did your sister end up making it to take some photos or is you know, this all in your head? You like is, remember this? So I, rem vividly? I, rem I do. I remember very. I, I remember most of it. There is definitely things I do not remember. And and looking back on it, it was four hours from arriving to delivery. It's a long time. It's a long time. And there and I don't have like four hours worth of recollection, though the question I definitely remember asking Nancy many times was how long is this gonna be? Right. Right? I know. Because part of I also why I was ready to transfer was that I wanted I, I was I had gone into it with the hope that I wouldn't have an intervention, but that like I didn't know what the experience was going to feel like, and I was very open to that. Should that f feel right to me? And I was like, Yeah, I fucking want the intervention. <laughs> like, give me the epidural. I need it. How much longer is this going to be? I cannot do this for ten, twelve, twenty four hours. Like, I just I cannot. And. And, you know, she kept saying, like, I can't tell you how long it's going to be. And the thing, the thing that I now know that I didn't then was that time was immaterial, right? I wanted to know. I wanted the reassurance about how long the process was going to take. But really, at least in my experience, whether it was four hours or six hours or ten hours, the, the time was so sort of like gooey that I don't I don't know that even if somebody could have told me it's four hours that that really would have made a difference yeah. and that I I was just sort of going with how I felt at that moment which was that the pain was unbearable and so I asked for the epidural and 
at that point, they said, okay, well, we have to put the IV in. And I think we have to wait like 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it is between when the IV is in and when we can give you the medication. Also, you can't be moving right. because an epidural could – they put it in your spine. And the epidural actually is very painful also. Itself. Yeah, it's a very, very large needle in your spine and God forbid, and it doesn't happen often, but if they like hit something in your spine, you could be paralyzed, you know, so you can't move either, which is why people often get preemptive epidurals because bef because we can't, if you're the Hulk and then two hours That's in, what are you, what's yeah, happening? Yeah, you have no control. You're like really out of control. Laura's sweating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what's really interesting, I have to say, that we, we haven't ever had like a real live um, birth story. I There's a podcast called The Birth Hour where it's just like one birth story after another. And I have listened to every single one of those. It It is so riveting to me. But uh, to witness Laura also uh, like experience the whole shebang also because I read all the books. So for me, this is just like a reminder and it is so intense. It's so intense. <laughs> it is so intense. And and, you know, most of the people that I interview, not all, but most, have been through this and are on the other side. This I'm at is the doorstep. It. Yeah, yeah. And we're at the doorstep all over yeah. again. Yeah. And I was I'm actually thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this because I realize I've never really captured the story for my son. And before the next one comes and the stories get like kind of intermingled to be able to actually retell it is really special. So thank you. It's really holy stuff. Storytelling. All right. Okay. So what are we up to? You puked. We got the scarf on. She's still the Hulk. It's four hours and, um, and time is immaterial. What's going on? I got the IV. I, I, I was like, we're doing this. Let's do it. Right. And so, and this is also after like, I did a bunch of like, I don't know, something in the bathroom. I have like some memory of being in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet, like just trying to like make space in my hips and my body. And then I was, they said, okay, you have to move to the bed, just as you said, right? To like contain yourself a little bit, get the IV. And that's the other thing about why people are not as interested in epidurals, which is you do have to be contained firstly to get the epidural. But then also, you know, like there are times when the epidural doesn't really stick. Sometimes it only gets to one side and not the other. And th that's rare, but it does happen. And you really can't move at all because you're sort of um, – and even at a hospital in general, they're they're tying you up to machines. When you're at a birthing center, they let you move freely. And movement is really how you move through this um, discomfort. It's how you move through discomfort. And it's how you facilitate the exit. <laughs> you know, you got like everything is just weird. It's an exit oh, and an entrance. Simultaneous. All. Yeah. OK, go on. Yeah, it's true. So I'm in the bed and I get the IV and I was tense as, you know, I think most laboring people are. Everything, like everything was like clenched and my jaw and I was, well, I was screaming. So I, I actually 
Popped a blood vessel, right? I popped a blood vessel in my face. I dislocated my jaw because wow. I was screaming so much. I actually still deal with TMJ today because of that. Wow. Chiropractic is a big help. But I, you know, everything was just so tense. And Nancy was like, okay, you have the IV. I'm going to give you a little bit of new bane now, which is it's a central nervous system depressant. It's like an anesthesia, but I think like generally lighter or less intense. And it really just felt like like a little like drop of chill in the midst of like the most intense experience. So so in the end, it wasn't like an interventionless experience. I had that little bit of nubane that just kind of took the edge off and allowed me to to settle and actually come back to some of the practices which you introduced me to, which is meditation mm-hmm. and being able to actually go into that place where I could find my breath again and I could find myself again and not just be so overtaken by the physicality of the experience. Mm-hmm. And so that like relaxed me. And I, I don't remember exactly the timing, but it was like within that window, like within 40 minutes, I went from like being, I don't know, three or four centimeters dilated to like nine for the listener the thing that makes the hormone that makes contractions is called oxytocin which is the love hormone we get this after orgasm hugging good times (laughs) um how strange because you're very clearly in distress would we call it right but um so the more relaxed a person is, the faster the contractions. Contractions are the things that like that make the body, the the belly and the the uterus tense enough to push out the person, to push the baby out. So the more relaxed you are, which sounds nearly impossible, <laughs> <laughs> and yet still, some people do it. I mean. I'm actually just thinking as you're saying this, I should like look into that hypnobirthing stuff again. Maybe that could be helpful. Yeah. Jesse has done it, I think, three times. Even her last one was my friend Jesse, who yeah. you know, her last one, um, she had an epidural and still used hypnobirthing. Because as you said, when you get into the hypnotic state or the meditative state, like, I mean, life is life is better. Better. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And so at that point, I had progressed so dramatically I was so dilated that Nancy said, I don't know, it was eight or nine or something, right? And and she said, you're, you're so close. You could get the epidural. I can't guarantee that this is going to happen in an hour or two or three or four. Could still take a while, but you're so close. You might want to reconsider. Because also, like, you've been having the same repetitive – I was going to call it discomfort, but it's pain, right? You had the same repetitive pain over and over and over again, but the experience of um, the actual delivery is a different sensation. Right. You go through the ring of fire and then... And then you move into the actual pushing phase, which is different. And it's also easier to push when you don't have an epidural because you can feel it. It's easier to push and epidurals can slow things down, actually. That's, That's true. Yeah. So I opted out. I decided not to get the epidural. And thankfully, from that point, it wasn't very long until I knew I was ready to start pushing. And I think the combination of like 
the meditation and really like knowing how to sync my breath and my body. And I think honestly, like the years of IBS <laughs> and like knowing how to like really have a hard time with poo and like, but like you got to, you know, commit and push. Those helped. They helped get Ezra out like pretty quickly. In fact, almost too quickly because I did tear a little bit. And it was only about 20 minutes of pushing. Oh, wow. Until he was he was out. And there's like a moment there where I don't totally remember. I mean, obviously, like flush with emotion and excitement and all of that. But then also, I do recall Nancy asking if I wanted to see the placenta. And I was just like, you know, because then you have to birth the placenta. And actually, by that point, my, my mom and my sister, because we actually forgot to call them until like pretty late. So they they got there like 20 minutes before Ezra actually was born. And so then my sister's there like taking pictures and there's like a hilarious picture of me eating a kind bar while I'm birthing my placenta because <laughs> I was just like, I need fortification. And Nancy was like, do you want to see the placenta? And I was so overwhelmed by everything. I was like, no, I'm okay. She was like, no, I really think you should. And I was very happy to have done that too. You know, I um, I was planning on eating my placenta because apparently like animals do this in the wild and I was going to put it in my smoothies and I and I got it. Or, oh, I was going to put it in my smoothies and I was like, no, that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to encapsulate them. And then I did and, um, and I ate them for a while, but they were like not helping my breast milk production. Yeah. But I made art out of it. Like the person who... Um, encapsulated the placenta actually like made a heart out of where is it I don't know where it went the art the art oh, boy. I, Dan you gotta locate Dan. that Dan <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gotta locate that I've heard of nice stories I didn't end up I, I, I like acknowledged it um, but I didn't end up doing anything with it, though I like the idea of like burying it next to a tree or like it's very good give, for the yeah. earth yeah and also like the placenta is an organ that you grow on top of a human that you grow. It is to be revered. I mean, it is like, it is it is wild. It is wild. And like, I had the experience when I um, gave birth and in those first few days, particularly with my son, where I was like, I'm an animal. And so are you. And I'm like, I'm like teaching you how to be human and you're just a fucking animal. It's so beautiful. I know some people who, well, I don't know them personally. I know them from the internet um, who will like keep the placenta attached to the child until it like naturally falls oh, yes. off. Yeah. We didn't go that far. No, no we did delayed cord clamping, but we didn't. We oh, didn't, yeah, we did we too. Like so carry around the placenta for um, days. I just, it really does it for me, Ray. Like, it is so beautiful. And to have this on record, you know, it's yours. It's like, a, it's it's yours and Ezra's. Oh, it's so cool. Life is so cool. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing with oh all of us um, this, like, sacred, messy, gross, mm -hmm. oh, holy and thing. Gross and gorgeous. Gorgeous. And I just want to, um, yeah, just uh, bless you with another safe, gorgeous, gross, <laughs> <laughs> meaningful labor in, I don't know, is it a month's time? 
could be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So come on back and you'll tell that story too. I look forward. Where can our listeners find you? I'm not super social these days. I mean, actually being here in a room with you is <laughs> a big step for me, but I'm so happy we did it. And I'm not really on um, on the internet that much anymore. But um, with Loop, our, our business, it's askloop.com. Uh, and you can sign up for our newsletter, which is the way we're keeping people informed about our progress. And if you have any love notes for Ray and any well wishes on the birth of her second son, you can send them to me. Oh, I would appreciate that so much. And I'll forward them along. I'm at Daniela Rabani. Thank you. Thank you. I love you.